0: You're listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 68.
1: I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Shush.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today, we're discussing the second Doctor story, The Power of the Daleks. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Astika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. So I said this is the uh, the second Doctor uh, a story of the second doctor, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they got bit- to avoid the double <laughs> entendre. <laughs> exactly. Patrick Troughton. We're starting a new series of uh, podcasts. Now we're continuing our, our rewatch of the new who, but we're, we've started a series. We did it just completed a series of, of, of podcasts on regeneration stories. Now we're doing a series on first episodes, post regeneration stories. Uh, mm-hmm. now of course the first doctor, uh, doesn't have a regeneration story, uh, first you know, episode regeneration. He's just the first doctor. And we talked about that episode already. Uh, An unearthly the, child. The unearthly child, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> and now we're, but we've, so we've moved on to uh, the second doctor, Patrick Troughton, uh, in The Power of the Daleks. Now, this was broadcast in November uh, and December of 1966. It's six episodes. Um, and it's,
1: uh, it's, to be clear, the original version of this broadcast in 1966.
0: Yes, exactly. I was um, trying to what's
1: available. Yeah. What's available now is actually a complete animated recreation. The audio track were there. They had snippets. You know, people taking like screenshots and um, screenshots. Literally taking a shot of the screen, <laughs> yeah, not like screenshots today. <laughs> yeah. Photographs of the screen or pointing like a eight millimeter camera at the screen. They paid um, a guy to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Those were called telesnaps. They paid a, the BBC, was paying a guy to make these telesnaps, I guess, for promotional purposes, maybe, or archival purposes. I'm not sure why they were paying him, well, but they paid him.
1: And part of the problem is that's all they had. Uh, there was a purge in the 70s of the BBC archives, and they got rid of a lot, and I mean a lot of the early. Uh, Episodes of Doctor Who, the first two Doctors episodes, many of them have been lost and are still lost to this day. Uh, this being one of them, the original uh, parts of the original are available, but no whole episodes are available. Um, so last year, the BBC commissioned a complete recreation of animation in animation of this episode using the audio recordings that are complete. Which fans uh, had made off TV. Yep. Yeah. So,
0: think of like, just think of that conversation back then. So you got to clean out this closet. Um, well, what about all these reels of these? This, nobody's gonna want to watch old episodes of this stupid kid show. Yeah, <laughs> just throw them exactly. out.
1: Well, they ah! mean, it wasn't even they threw them out. It's they were a lot of them were on magnetic tape, which it was cheaper for them to re-record over than to keep. Right.
2: Yeah,
1: of course, all and- the old film that they'd actually filmed with was gone.
2: And and they didn't do it just for Doctor Who. They did it for loads of stuff. So there's bunches of early BBC broadcasts that are just gone. And we're actually fortunate that Doctor Who had a big enough fan base to make this kind of retrieval of episodes and reconstruction of episodes possible.
0: I read, I read that some of the stuff that we have now, some of the, the actual uh, uh, video footage that we, that they have preserved came from tapes that had been sent overseas to, to to be played, you know, in India and America and other places. Exactly. So
1: like uh, the BBC would send it over to Australia or Or, or Argentina, Kenya, and yeah, Hong right. Kong and
0: places
2: like
1: that. So these these TV stations will open their vaults and they'll find, oh, here's an episode of Doctor Who. And it turns <laughs> out this is one that's missing. And their new episodes are still being found. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had a couple of Patrick Troughton episodes where a bunch of. Whole stories. He, yeah, whole stories. Um, was it The Web In, of Fear? And, and Enemy of the World enemy of the world and i think of those those episodes which they were released on like itunes you could purchase them and download them uh only one of them still has not been found of the serials only one episode has not been found uh another thing with uh this one the the crew that did this animation are also the the people who did the shada recreation right you know we talked about that a couple of months ago same style it's the same yeah same style because it's the same people one thing that I
2: hadn't realized when this animation first came out is that there's a color version. Which I watched. I initially, yeah, I initially watched the uh, black and white version, and I thought it was okay, but then I, in prepping for this episode, I was on Amazon looking at my video library, and it's like, wait, there are color episodes here? Mm-hmm. And so I watched those, and it's like, wow, this I really like the color version. It, right. uh, it adds something. I kind of suspect that what they did was made the color version first and then just took out the color
1: for the black and white, which I think is one of the reasons why the black and white didn't grab me as much. Now, I I went uh, to see this in the theaters when it was released. They actually had a theater release, and I went to a theater here in Montana to watch it, and that was quite the way to see it but that was just the black and white so that was the theaters in montana cool (laughs) we got a few of them now some of them are pretty far away (laughs) well this they
0: released it on the 50th anniversary of the original airing of the first episode of this it was uh november 5th 2016 um and the the color version was released uh on a special edition blu-ray um let's see uh, in, actually, just uh, February of 2017. So, uh, oh, that explains why I didn't see it initially. Okay, yeah, I yeah, think so- you could
1: watch the color version through the BBC America for those of us in the states. The BBC America site.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, it's it's available. You can buy. Um, it's not on the on BritBox, unfortunately, as I discovered, um, but you can buy it uh, on Amazon, iTunes, I think, uh, and like uh, maybe on the BBC America site, too. Um, so uh, it's out there and it's worth watching. I mean, it, it was a good, good episode, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So it's uh, Polly and Ben uh, are are they still the companions. They were with the doctor at the end of uh, the 10th planet regeneration. Um, and. So the Doctor has regenerated for the first time in Doctor Who. We have a regeneration.
2: And, and it's significant to note that this was not only was this totally unexpected by the viewers. So this was coming out of nowhere. It was really freaky when it happened. The TARDIS was going crazy and the Doctor falls on the floor and suddenly there's a new guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the concept hadn't been worked out. It was It's not called regeneration at this point. When Ben and Polly are asking the doctor what's happened, he says, I've been renewed. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the third doctor that the term regeneration came into circulation. And there was a question about what does it mean for the doctor to be renewed? At the time, a lot of fans thought he's simply been rejuvenated or deaged, that he's mm-hmm. meant to be the exact same person as William Hartnell, just at a younger age as opposed to having experienced the more fundamental transformation that we now know of as regeneration. And originally, that may have been the uh, uh, the intent of the writers, to just have him as a younger version of William Hartnell, although his personality is markedly different. Very different. And so um, he's, he's very mysterious and mischievous and self-deprecating in ways that William Hartnell never was. And mm-hmm. so I I think they wanted to just leave it mysterious, the exact nature of the transformation that had happened to him.
0: Yeah, they seem very vague about the details, even in the conversation between Polly and Ben and the doctor. Um, you know, they obviously had a lot of questions and he was vague mm-hmm. and sometimes even referred to himself in the third person uh, or right. referred to the first doctor in the third person as another, almost as if it was a whole other person. And he just. Almost like he was transported out and had an, a new person was sent there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was this. You could have taken this in many different directions, uh, yeah. which I think was the idea. Um, it, I think perhaps the producers were interested in seeing what grabbed the fans. <laughs> so, what mm-hmm. do you want to happen?
1: <laughs> well, it's. I mean, of course, it's funny. We watch back now. We, we've been through twelve of these events. You know, with the thirteenth doctor now uh, as the. Soon to be active doctor, if you want to put it that way. Um, and of course, now they're big events. They they make announcements. And, you know, when Peter Capaldi was announced, they had an actual half an hour show before they announced him. And, you know, and and now, you know, they'll do web releases. And I mean, they, they make a big deal out of it. But like you said, back then it was, oh, this is a new guy. What just happened?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Also, in this episode, you know, he does display some personality instability, especially in the beginning, like the talking about the first doctor as if he's another person Mm -hmm. and um, and refusing to answer questions that are entirely reasonable questions about what's happened. Um, So this is kind of the first instance we have of post-regeneration madness. Mm -hmm. And in later the case of later doctors, they play this way up. And Mm -hmm. these days it tends to be played for comedic, it's often played for comedic value. And what's interesting here is even though he's having regeneration madness, although that term didn't exist at the time, um, and even though he does funny things like put on a funny hat and funny clothes and start playing a recorder, you know, a flute-like recorder, um, even though he's doing these funny things, this doesn't come
0: across as humorous at all. It comes across as strange, right? Mm. Especially in comparison to the much more crotchety older doctor Proper. that we're used to. Yes. Um, so the story itself, it they, you know, as as the uh, regeneration takes place, they end up on a new planet, um, an Earth colony Vulcan. called Vulcan. Now. <laughs> there are no uh there's no spock here no people with pointy ears but what's interesting as a coincidence is this aired in november 1966 just two months earlier star trek had uh premiered on american tv featuring a prominent c- uh character from the planet vulcan so it's kind of funny i mean i'm i'm sure that there it was it's coincidence but um you know, Vulcan is a, is actually a word from ancient Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. He was the the god of the underworld. Uh, not of the underworld. I'm sorry. Well, the god of of the of the smith of uh, you know fires and hammers. The forge. Yeah,
2: right? actually, Vulcan is Roman. In Greek, it was
0: Hephaestus. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. <clears throat> I always and, mix them up.
2: There's also uh, a lot of people don't know this, but for a time, it was thought that there was a planet Vulcan in our own solar system. Hmm. Um, because there were... No, I'm serious. A hundred years ago, people thought... I mean, a little more than a hundred years ago, people thought there was another planet inside Hmm. the orbit of Mercury because um, Mercury's orbit has some perturbations that couldn't be explained by Newtonian mechanics. And so it was thought there must be another planet in there affecting Mercury's orbit, and Hmm. some astronomers claim to have even sighted that other planet. (laughs) Hmm. They may have seen, they may have been mistaken about what they were seeing, but they claim to have sighted it. And because it was so close to the sun, they named it Vulcan after the mm. god of the fiery forge. But then Albert Einstein comes along in 1905 with his special theory of relativity and explains the perturbations of Mercury's orbit that way. And suddenly the need for Vulcan disappeared and nobody had been able to recite it. And so hmm. it uh, ended up being a myth. <laughs>
0: That's great. And, of course, the word Vulcan is where we get the word uh, volcano in English. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. uh, and uh, vulcanized rubber.
0: Yes. I was very disappointed as a child to find out that vulcanized rubber does not come from the planet Vulcan. Vulcan. It's <laughs> <was Yeah>. disappointing. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and there is no Corinthian leather either. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, so that, wow, that just, uh, my mind just went off in another direction. Uh, so. Yeah. The, the they land on this Earth colony, the planet Vulcan, um, far future, in the far future, and the doctor uh, they witness that that someone being murdered. They find out it's uh this guy who's who's a, a, uh, the official Earth examiner, which is some, some kind of inspector. Yeah, like an, it's been sent by Earth, like a government inspector, right. to Check out this colony. Who has carte blanche to access to everything? He's like the ultimate auditor. Um, record all access yes and the doctor so on his button yes exactly i want one of those buttons um and so the doctor impersonates him uh, and they discover that this scientist uh of the colony has found this crashed space rocket and has been trying to get inside and is trying to reactivate uh quote-unquote dead daleks
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the by, the way, just want to mention about the planet Vulcan here. It's got the it's got this kind of you know barren scenery, and we're told they're walking through a mercury swamp, and mm-hmm. they even like step in the mercury. And I th- and I think that's really a cool idea. Now on black and white TV, the the budget isn't great and everything, but if you think about what a swamp filled with mercury, you know this silvery mm-hmm. liquid metal. I mean that would be really cool. To look at, but
0: not to stand in because mercury is highly toxic to humans. (laughs) Even to touch (laughs) it. Yes. It will go through your pores into your body. Don't ever touch mercury. Um, A couple, actually, I'm looking at my notes here. A couple things about the regeneration. Um, The doctor's clothes changed during the regeneration itself. We mm-hmm. never see that again, as far as I as I can mm-hmm. recall. Um, That's correct. The clothes aren't affected by it. So in this one, it's more like magic than regeneration, uh, than uh, than some biological process. Um, and that uh, I thought it was interesting that they made a point to show the Doctor's ring fall off his finger, mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. to what we see from the Twelfth Doctor in his regeneration. There's there's this close up right. of the ring falling off. Uh, why do you think that, that is? Why do you think they've made a point to showing that? It
2: It's because it, it sows doubt. So the two companions are trying to figure out what's happening. And Polly is inclined to think he is the doctor. Ben is very skeptical. And <clears throat> the ring falling off uh, supports Ben's skepticism because it's like if it's if you're the doctor, shouldn't your
1: ring fit? Right. And it shows that, that this was a full body transformation, that it wasn't just uh, like his face didn't just change, but, you know, his hands are, his fingers are smaller now. Right, right. Okay. I get that.
0: That's, so it shows the extent and the, the how drastic the transformation is mm-hmm. by a little visual cue. That's a, actually, that's a good one. That's that's it's good to see. Yeah, it's it's a constant battle while watching this as someone 50 years later with right. all the all knowledge we have of to put yourself in the mindset of someone who's wa- who had watched this <laughs> fresh without you know, any
1: foreknowledge it, and it, you know it's my opinion that you know we mentioned this when we talked about that regeneration from Peter Capaldi to Jodie Whittaker that that was an intentional choice they made where Peter Capaldi's ring which someone mentioned in a comment um in uh, some feedback was that designed was Designed to cover
2: his wedding ring
1: yeah his wedding ring but then they they you know they show it falling off her hand again it's kind of the same thing showing this dramatic change that the doctor underwent
0: okay so um, speaking of, like, like, Jim, you were saying, like, watching it in, in the colorized version and in this animation during the Mercury Swamp and stuff, can I, let's talk about the animation itself, the quality of the animation. How do you feel about it? From, from my point of view, it was okay. It was fine. Um, I found that the, 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 they, when they depict people who are standing still, they have this constant random movement that you see, like they're kind of bouncing all the time to show that they're alive or something. You see it in computer Mm -hmm. games, too. The sort of bouncing that real people don't do. Um, And I also
2: shift around a little bit, but not quite like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a bit of the uncanny valley problem. Um, Although the valley here is very vast. You're not going to mistake them for real people. Um, But I also felt like the animation made it getting a sense of the emotion of the characters difficult. Uh, They didn't Mm -hmm. do a lot of animation of facial expressions uh, except for the broadest of, of emotions.
1: So I, my thought was it was almost flat like you'd watch him yeah. turn and it was like they're taking a piece of paper and flipping it. If you've ever played the uh Paper Mario game on right. Nintendo, it's that type of animation where he's basically one way and then it turns 180 degrees and flips. Um it's it's a very austere animation I think is a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Like South Park. But it's not it's not like it's not like the uh, Disney style animation we're familiar with where every little detail is modeled. Yeah. The,
2: in animation, it's, it's I think it's better than South Park. That's just cutout stuff, right? Yeah, but but in this is what's known as limited animation, as opposed to full animation, and it, it's it's just for budgetary reasons. They're using computers to do a lot of this. <clears throat> they don't have the budget uh, to do full hand drawn cell animation, and so it it, it kind of mirrors the strengths of computers. Um, computers do really good. Architecture and geometric Mm -hmm. backgrounds and Daleks and things like that, they're not nearly as good at representing humans. And so you're, I I think you're right. It is kind of emotionally flat. That's one of the things I was, I was surprised by and liked the color version. I thought it made the visuals more relatable. Mm. And, um, and I liked that. But, this is the closest we're going to get oh, yeah. to a uh, to, uh, uh, you know, being able to experience the original anytime soon, unless they find it in, you know, Lesotho or somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, so I was, you know, I was prepared to accept it. But, yeah, the animation is limited. It's not the greatest. But it, it I, I didn't stop it, especially in episode six, from being really dramatic. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was going to um, say,
0: it, it, I still enjoyed the story despite the limitations of animation.
1: And I wonder how much of the animation was was budgetary in time. I know they I saw a, like a documentary or an interview where they did this in a very short period of time, like a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it was done fairly quickly. And I wonder how much of it was limitation in that. How much was a conscious choice? This is a type of animation that is somewhat popular. You mentioned South Park. Other animations like that use similar style animation. So I wonder if it's... It's they, they it's kind of the popular thing right now. Right.
2: And, and they're not trying simply to they're not trying to fully replicate what we would have seen because that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to just gesture at what we would right. have seen in the original.
1: And they basically they, they would take these telesnaps and they'd yeah. recreate those scenes and then kind of interpolate off of that. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: You know, and, and the fact is, is this is a, a complex, multi layered story. I mean, you have mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. factions, different motivations from different people. You have uh, Bregan, you have the rebels, uh, then you find out that they're the same. And then you have another faction yeah. who are not the rebels. And then you have the Daleks <laughs> with their motivation. Um, and it's yeah, just... Yeah,
2: you, you, you really have about five groups. I mean, you've got the Doctor and his companions, you've got the Daleks... You've got the uh, establishment at the colony. You've got the rebels at the colony. And then you've got the crazy mad scientist who has his own agenda. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, and it's it's, just, it's a multi-layer, and it's, it's, it's a complex story to tell. And they do. And they, they, they do it well, I think. I think it turns out to be a good story. Um, one, one thing that I think
2: they could have done a little bit more with is explain what are the motives of the rebels, because I, I was, ne- I, I mean, maybe I missed it, but I was never clear on exactly why are they rebelling. I mean, I understand why the rebellion is being fostered by insiders, you know, by Bregan who wants to mm-hmm. move up to become the governor. So I understand why he's fostering the rebellion. But what resentments is he feeding on the part of the rebels? I mean, is it bad working conditions? Is it, you know, unfair tax policy? You know, what exactly are they rebelling against?
0: Yeah, I think that there's a there was a throwaway line very quickly in the beginning, but I'm not I'm not certain.
2: Ex- but all that's important
0: because yeah. that's why the inspector
2: has been called for, and then why they bump off the original inspector that the doctor impersonates.
0: Right, right, yeah. Um, th- th- there's a point where Bregan tells the doctor about the the this rebel movement um, uh, in the, you know the sabotage and that sort of thing, but he doesn't actually. Yeah, he doesn't actually tell what the what motivates the movement, why it's rebelling. I mean, I think we're left to kind of speculate that it's the typical workers unsatisfied with working conditions and that sort of thing. Um, And and we're given the impression that the guy in charge, um, the governor, is heavy handed uh, with his with his police and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, and and there's a sense in which you know they don't want to. I'm sure you wouldn't want to go too far down those waters, lest it become a dispute about outlying trade routes. But but you know there is kind of a paint by numbers children's television sense to the writing, where it's like, okay, here's a typical dramatic situation. It's kind of a stock situation. So we can mm-hmm. count on the audience to just accept it without really having to explain it in well, it's, realistic it, terms.
1: It's, it's kind of a, a, a story writing version of painting the, the scenery for the backdrop. You know, you don't worry about all the yeah. little infinite details of the crags and nooks and yeah. crannies and everything out there. You just you you paint them and that's good enough.
2: Yeah, it's good analogy. It's, it's kind of flat and just is meant to gesture at the situation.
0: So <clears throat> we the doctor sees the Daleks. Uh, in in Lesterson's lab and freaks out <laughs> understandably <laughs> you're gonna destroy these things don't you know, stop what you're doing and nobody listens then that's really the, the the whole episode. nobody ever listens to the doctor until the bad thing happens. Uh, is the this doctor
2: the, is Cassandra
0: yeah, right is this the first time we the doctor has seen the Daleks since the Dalek episode the first Dalek episode no
2: no there have been multiple encounters with the Daleks um, along the way. Including the longest story of That's Doctor right. Who history, the Daleks master plan, which was like a 13 parter.
0: OK, OK. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, so there's a history here now uh, since then. And um, I mean, what we have here is, is a, a, you know, sort of the the eternal story of the scientists messing about with bad stuff that he doesn't really understand mm-hmm. in order to. Get himself killed in the end, right? Right. I mean, his <laughs> yeah. his goal is to become great scientist. Uh, they will they will laud me and give me praises. And it's sort of typical for the era, you know. The 1960s was a time when you know science was was you know expanding our knowledge of science or the boundaries of science were expanding rapidly, and a lot of people were afraid of you know are are we getting too big for our britches? Are we are we mm-hmm. you know can we control it? You know, nuclear weapons testing was. Uh, you know, and nuclear, the threat of nuclear war was uh, pr- very present to people. Some were even speculating that a nuclear t- weapons test could ignite the atmosphere and, and all these things. And so fear, there's a certain fear of the boundaries of science. And you, right. you really feel that in this episode, this sort of, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the midst of all of these political machinations, you have this one scientist who, <coughs> excuse me, who literally unleashes the apocalypse on this on this
2: colony. <laughs> colony, yeah. And it. it uh, Lesterson is a really interesting character because he goes, I mean, he goes insane mm-hmm. during the course of all this. And by the end, by episode six, which is just, as I mentioned, it's really dramatic. He is just completely gone around the bend and is concluding that. You know, mankind has had its day and now we're all now we're all doomed and we can only admire the Daleks as the creatures who are going to replace us. And he's like Mm -hmm. worshiping the Daleks at this point. And 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 um, then, of course, he meets his end. He's talking to the Daleks. He's offering to help them. And they're saying, like, you've outlived your usefulness. And he's saying, but you you wouldn't kill me. I gave you life. Yes, you gave us life. Zap. And he's dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. It's the Daleks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um at one point lester's in the system that really funny to uh was uh was a janley and and uh somebody else were arguing maybe bragan you know this is a scientific laboratory kindly keep your politics out of it <laughs> and i had to yeah. laugh like wow <laughs> that's refreshing <laughs> i wish we'd hear more of that Keep your politics exactly. out of exactly lab um and then you know, the, the it, it was kind of funny for us and and maybe it's Maybe it's obvious then because that that they've had many encounters with the Daleks because by now the audience would be familiar with the Daleks as their only motivations to kill everything else mm-hmm. um,
2: and so ben and Polly don't know that though. this is their first time with the Daleks, okay.
0: um but when they're ordering about the the Daleks, you know, as they're serving drinks <laughs> to everyone and yeah. and I think it's, it was sort of a combination of uh, Alexa and Rurumba, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Also, also, the there's a neat echo of that line, because in this, uh, the Daleks are saying, I am your servant, <laughs> and they use that line over and over again, and that gets picked up many years later in the Matt Smith oh, episode, yes. Victory of the Daleks, where the Daleks are again pretending to be good in World War II Britain, only there the line said with the same inflection becomes,
0: I am your soldier, oh. instead of I am your servant. That will make watching yep. that episode uh, very interesting again. Uh, to to uh, to pick up on that. Um, oh, just a little a little Easter egg. The machine in the the lab that the Daleks are interested in, the one that predicts meteor storms. Did you notice the uh, manufacturer label on it? Mm-mm. Magpie Electronics.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Which uh, will come up actually in a uh, very soon in our rewatch of the new who, because uh, Magpie Electronics is coming up, uh, I think in two episodes uh, of that. Um, It was the little electronic shop where they, uh, the, the TVs came alive, but uh, that's been an Easter egg in several things. What's that? Feed me. Right. Again, you know, must be a little Easter egg thrown in by the, uh, the animators there for us. Yeah. so, or maybe an Easter egg picked up by the who uh, creators. It could. Well, this this would have been created much after. I don't know if that if that was in the original Telesnap. I I uh, don't either. That yeah. might might not have been. But uh, kind of funny. Um, so the Sin thinks that there's what three Daleks on board this capsule. Now this capsule mm-hmm. is in his lab. This like I'm wondering if the capsule is itself like the TARDIS where. It's vastly think,
1: bigger on the inside because <laughs> I think they pretty much imply
0: that. I don't
1: recall. Okay,
2: yeah, Daleks do have that technology. When we've been inside Dalek time capsules before, they also uh, are bigger on the inside.
0: Okay, okay, that's what I was worried
1: because uh, yeah, it seemed uh, it's, it seemed. I don't. I don't remember in this episode if they specifically said that, but I I, I get the I. Seem to recall that they at least implied that something said, Wow, it's bigger than I thought, or you know, something to that extent.
0: Okay, I might, might have missed that. There's a couple of moments, uh, a couple of interesting elements inside the Dalek ship. There was a uh, we saw an uncased Dalek crawling around the yeah. floor. Um, we saw Daleks, uh, growing other Daleks in vats and installing them in mm-hmm. new, uh, new Dalek, um, uh, uh outer transport shells, machines, transport mm-hmm. machines, yeah. Um, and the Doctor at one point kind of ties the uh, c- connects something to the the first Dalek episode uh, from the first Doctor. Notes that they're running on non-metal floors. And I remember from that episode, from the, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. story, the Daleks could only run on the metal floors of the of their city because um, they were getting static electricity that way. Right, and uh, and but now we're told that um, if they can do it, but they just don't have as much power. Uh, as if they had static electricity from the floor, uh, mm-hmm. so,
2: and that—that's actually the central, kind of the central plot point that explains the title "Power of the Daleks." You would think that refers to the might of the Daleks, but really, it's about where are they getting their power? Right, right. because they they We later discover they're hooked into the power supply of the city. And the doctor ultimately uses that to defeat them by overloading the power that is coming into them Mm -hmm. so that they um, so that they crash and burn.
0: Right. Right.
2: Um, Which is one of the better critical failure point plot resolutions. I mean, it's a lot better than kill the emperor Dalek and all the others die. Exactly. Establishing they're all getting they're all tapping the city's power grid. So let's just blow the power
1: grid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, power uh, surge that will do it. Yep.
2: yep, And then they have the consequences of now the city has no more power because the Doctor has blown the
0: grid. Yep. Um, and then we have... Uh, one of the things that we have here is the Doctor playing a uh, recorder, as you mentioned to me. Is this is this new to the second Doctor? The first Doctor never yes. played recorder. No. No. Uh, it's
2: something Patrick Troughton could do and made it one of the Doctor's mannerisms, and so it shows up from here on out. OK, periodically.
0: And he yep. uses it to open the uh, jail cell that he's because it's apparently the lock is sonically activated.
2: Um, yeah, I didn't have the sonic screwdriver yet. Right. But that's coming with the second doctor.
0: OK, OK. Um, so one of the things I found interesting about this was th- this theme of. um Oh, by the
2: way, Good. speaking of little devices, mm-hmm. I love how they like cut open the fruit and find bugs inside the fruit, You uh, know, yeah. listening devices inside the yeah, fruit. Right. It's right. like, if you're going to bring in a fruit basket into someone's room, you know, do you really want to hide listening devices in the fruit? I mean, <laughs> A, the fruit pulp would tend to interfere with the listening and B, um, people are going to be eating that. <laughs> They're gonna find your bugs.
0: Put put the bug in the basket, not in the fruit. Um, Now I was gonna say, there's this this interesting like more of this theme. So we had the the theme of the scientists run amok, but then we had this sort of other theme of people using um, weapons that they know are good that are self-destructive. We're going to, you know, these are dangerous weapons that are are destructive to us as to our enemy, but we're going to use them anyway. Again, from the you know from the time period, the mid '60s, the height of the of the um, uh, Cold War, uh, the the threat of nuclear weapons, and so we have the you know the rebels, um, uh, they're they're convinced they need to use the Daleks, you know, on their side to survive, um, you know, it, it's a but it's a weapon too dangerous to use. I I that like that that. It, Interesting. I mean, it wasn't exactly the most subtle Mm -hmm. of analogies, but um, but it certainly was an interesting way to show how self-destructive that is. I thought it was very fascinating because because if they had come to their senses and the people had worked together, they would have they would have been able to stop the Daleks before they destroyed them all or almost destroyed them all.
2: I, I found it talking about weapons. I found it interesting how many guns We have in this episode being in this series being fired. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking actual slug throwers. I mean, normally on Mm -hmm. children's television, especially sci fi, it would be zapping people with laser beams or something. But no, here people are firing bullets at each other like crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I haven't seen this level of gun violence on a British children's television program. And I don't know how long it was very dramatic. And we see the bodies of people. I mean, they're not Mm -hmm. bloody. But we see all kinds of bodies. I mean, they have after the Daleks have killed people with and the Daleks do have laser beams or something. They're zapping people with. But um, but, you know, after the Daleks have killed all the rebels and stuff, we get this long panning shot of um, uh, of of people who they've killed, including major characters like the woman rebel leader, uh, the woman scientist. Uh, You know, she's laying there. She's got one of her shoes off. She's just laying there dead. It's really dramatic.
0: Yeah, I can imagine uh, you know uh, kids watching it, it would be uh, very affecting. Um, so by the by the end of this episode, by the end of the six episodes, the the Doctor is he's very different now, um, and Ben and Polly seem to have come to grips with that. They they come to mm-hmm. accept it. Um, they're mm-hmm. convinced that he's he is the Doctor. There's no question now for them. Um, and where and they're ready to move on in their adventures with them. Um, By the way, notice how we've had a shift in the Doctor's personality from
2: – and this had already been underway. But uh, more than once in this series, Ben and Polly say – when they realize things are getting bad, they say, let's go to the TARDIS. And the Doctor – you know, let's just get out of here. And the Doctor refuses to let them do that. And instead, at, at, the first time they bring it up, he says – in essence, we can't because of the Daleks. We can't just let the Daleks kill everybody here. And he, he notes that even one Dalek could do that, which is mm. something that's brought up in New Who in the episode Dalek, that one Dalek yep. can just destroy tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. It, could, and so, it could wipe out Salt Lake City. Yeah, and so whereas the original Doctor in the beginning wouldn't have had a problem getting in the TARDIS to just get away from a dangerous situation. The doctor has now taken responsibility and is explaining to his companions why they need to stay.
0: So that's an interesting shift, um, and a shift in focus. Was it do you think this was a you know a, a conscious decision by the producers to change how the doctor approaches the dangers yeah, of the universe?
2: Into, to turn him into a hero, yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, I mean, I wonder. You know, he's no longer an elderly man. I don't know how old Patrick Trouton is at this point. He's certainly younger than he was than...
2: in his he was in his forties, if I recall correctly. Was he? really? That sounds right to me. Yeah, that sounds right to me.
0: Wow, he looks yeah. older than me, and I'm I'm late. 40s. Everybody
2: looked older than they were back then. <laughs>
0: That's true. They all smoked. Um, I don't think it's that. I did, that may have been part of it. Health but, wasn't
1: as good. No.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. So in any case, he. Uh, yeah, he's the younger man, and maybe the the, the more, um, you know, he's the the so the doctor in the beginning was this grandfatherly figure, and it was and it was uh, Ian Chesterton who was really the the action mm-hmm. hero type, right?
1: Um, but by the way, I just looked it up; he was forty six when he started playing the doctor. Wow! Yeah.
0: Wow. I feel so old. Um <laughs> my days are coming to a close. No, um the the but yeah, but now it's 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 interesting. We've got what will essentially become this is the doctor as he is for the rest of the series. I mean the doctor is, you know, the the, the guardian of the galaxy, so to speak, the guardian of the universe, the the protector and savior of people, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a tourist, you know, going to interesting places. Mm-hmm. He's also
2: doing an interesting, and this is characteristic of the second Doctor, but he's really of him. Other Doctors don't do this because they later become strutting egomaniacs. Mm -hmm. But but Patrick Troughton's Doctor is doing this Columbo thing where he's deliberately getting people to underestimate him, Mm -hmm. and he's being very self-deprecatory. And so even after he's destroyed all the Daleks, they're, you know, he's kind of been knocked unconscious. And when he wakes up, they're telling him, well, you did this and this. And he's going, did I do that? Did I do all that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and really, I blew up the city's power supply. Oh, that was most unfortunate.
1: <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah, He almost gets that that look like a kid who's being kind of abashed, you know, like, oh, did I do that? With kind of a yeah. mischievous and, grin at the same and time.
2: Then, and he, And he'll snicker where Ben and Polly can see it, but not the others. And so he's doing. He's deliberately doing this kind of, like I said, Columbo. Please underestimate me, thing. Yep.
0: Yeah, it it is actually kind of interesting uh, uh, affectation of the character that 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 very much like a Columbo sort of thing. Um, so, so what is the the from this episode from this story? Um, what happens next in when the doctor's timeline? You know, the, with ah, Ben and Polly, the, where do we go from here? We have a crucial lost episode, the high or lost story, the Highlanders.
2: Um, mm-hmm. This story is uh, the last of the normal historicals. Um, historicals being ones where they just go to a time period and nothing paranormal happens; it's all natural. Um, from here on out, whenever they go to the past after the Highlanders. With one exception, um, there's always going to be some kind of alien threat in the past or something like that. But this one's a pure historical. It's set in 17th century Scotland, um, and we meet who's uh, we meet a new companion who's going to travel alongside Jamie and and uh, alongside Ben and Polly. His name is Jamie McCrimmon. He's mm-hmm. a 17th century Scottish boy who fought at the Battle of Culloden. And he um, becomes the most popular companion mm-hmm. of all time up to that time. Um, yeah. Later, Sarah Jane Smith will become more popular, but Jamie McCrimmon's going to be there all the way from the from Patrick Trouton's second episode all the way up through the end in the mm-hmm. War Games. And um, and he and Patrick Troughton have this really nice chemistry where they're kind of like older brother, younger brother chemistry, and they play mm-hmm. off each other. And he so Jamie McCrimmon's going to be a really popular character that outlives multiple other companions.
0: Yep. OK. <clears throat> and uh, how much how many seasons does the second doctor get? Do you recall? Uh, it's, it's like three seasons. Okay, so it's um, it's like I mean,
2: this. It's it's part of another because this is like the fourth season of the show, and he's coming in mid-season, right? Yeah, 60,
0: 66 to sixty-nine. Okay, okay. So um, it's a it's a decent run. I mean, it's sort of typical for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I mean, three seasons and done. I mean, apart from the fourth Doctor, that seems to be the pattern the for most. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, any other thoughts about about this story? I mean, we kind of covered the the high points uh, of it. Anything else we want to say about it?
2: I just mentioned again. I, I've commented on how much I like how it builds. Um, mm-hmm. And often, stories in this period can, especially six parters, can feel really slow. Yeah. But but I, in rewatching in prep for this uh, recording. In rewatching it, and especially episode six, I just found myself sitting on the edge of my seat metaphorically. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is really intense. Yeah. yeah, and and I was very impressed by how intense it was. And so, uh, this is not one that ends up feeling you know like it's just dragging. This is a mm-hmm. very brisk story, especially by the end. It becomes very high stakes and intense.
1: Well, and and kind of going back to the idea of how they recreated it, it's a a good hope that they're going to start doing more of this. Yeah, um, that these episodes that have been lost for 40 years, 50 years, we're going to start being able to watch again, even if it's not in the original format, we'll still be able to watch them. Um, and that's that's a good hope that it's an ongoing thing that, you know, maybe every year or two, we'll start seeing more recreations coming out. Right. So last year we had shot
0: uh, the year before that was a part of the Daleks, maybe something yep. later this year. Um, do we have do you know if we have audio for everything at least? Yes. We have audio for absolutely everything.
2: Oh, cool! And in fact, you can get all of the all of the ones on audio, uh, either on CD or audiobook. Like if you go to, all, I have as I have a complete run of Doctor Who either on DVD or, or um, you know streaming. Mm-hmm. And part of that is for the missing episodes that there's just nothing for other than audio. I went to Audible.com, which is an Amazon company, and got the. Um, got the audio books for the missing episode. Mm-hmm. So like I have the Highlanders audio book okay. and what it'll do is it takes the sound from the original show with little bits of linking narration to tell you what's happening on the screen. Right. So it will say, Jamie moves forward, you know, drawing his dagger or something like okay. that. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. okay. So, and then they'll have telesnaps or whatnot to correct to help the animators. Mm-hmm. Right. There
2: are also fan animations of a lot of things that you can see, like on YouTube or Daily Motion. Recently, I watched and I think we I I think we may want to talk about this on a future program just because of the story. But I recently watched a fan animation series of the Daleks Master Plan. Mm, And um, so uh, so even though it's fan animation, you know, it's not this level of animation. It's
0: still a way
1: to experience the story.
0: So the Daleks master plan is another one of the lost episodes? Yes.
1: Okay. And there, that's a partial loss. I think there partial are some loss. episodes that are
2: that do exist. Right. But it's a very interesting story, and it has a lot of shifts in tone. It has the comedic Christmas episode where the doctor breaks the fourth wall. Right. And it has the first companion death mm-hmm. when uh, Katarina sacrifices herself to save the doctor.
0: Spoilers. Um, yeah for a 50 year old TV show um exactly
1: the, uh, as i said on uh, as i said on last jedi if it's more than two weeks you can spoil her so yeah. <laughs> so um with
0: the 10th planet had some bits that were um illustrated to make up some of the loss so was that official right. do you remember if that was official? BBC animation, okay.
2: Yeah, there. It's on the DVD. The last episode had to be reconstructed.
0: Okay, I couldn't remember whether that was the official or not. Um, Well, I mean, it's 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 again, it's it's testament to the to the fan base. You know, it's sort of this interesting phenomenon of fandoms that arose in the '60s. I mean, you didn't really between Star Trek fans uh, reviving the show for a third season and keeping it alive until it could be turned into movies and everything else that it's become Mm -hmm. to Dr. Who fans who've saved it so much of it from oblivion, Uh, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the losses of, of these, of these uh, stories they have been saved from, from destruction. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so it's a very interesting phenomenon to see this partnership between fans and their, and the creators of the, of the product that they love so much.
2: And It's interesting. I mean, Star Trek fans did the same thing that Doctor Who fans did with audio back in the 60s because it was before VCRs, yep, before any right. kind of home, home video. And so people would just take their tape recorders and record The Trouble with Tribbles or whatever was airing that week mm-hmm. as a way to re-experience
1: as much of that yeah. show as they could given the technology at the time. Right. Like, and again, you'd have people with their little home you know 8 8 millimeter handycams or whatever the equivalent they had back then you know pointing at the screens while they are recording the audio and that yeah. was it
0: in an age yeah. of dvrs and, and streaming and all that sort of stuff the idea i mean th- people to forget that you you watched a show once and it was done until mm-hmm. the the creators and the networks thought maybe at some point they might run a rerun you you may or may not catch the rerun someday and no, if that's you that's missed an episode to- you missed it
1: People today don't even know that word. Rerun. <laughs> exactly. yeah. What's the big deal of a rerun? Everything's in syndication now. Mm-hmm. Everything's on Amazon. Everything's on Netflix. What's the deal like of when, a rerun?
2: When Marty McFly goes back to 1955 and talks about a rerun of the Honeymooners and they're saying, what's a rerun?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Even before. Yeah. Even before there were reruns. I mean, uh, I remember as a kid trying to record things on VCR. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes you got I, it and sometimes you didn't. <laughs> I,
2: I remember recording on on audio tape. I mean, it's dim memories, but I I remember recording on audio tape. And I think I actually recorded some Star Trek as a kid just yeah. as a way of being able to re-experience the show. Right. right. You,
0: you've seen it. So now you can if you hear the, the soundtrack again, you can relive the memory in your mind of the of the action of the show. Yeah, it's it's a different world, a very different world we live in now where everything is at your fingertips. Um, and and, you know it's unlikely that we will lose things now that like they lost back then but the, the, on the other hand, if things do get lost you know hopefully people are saving these in some mm-hmm. other form. Um, sometimes creators or their, or the owners of the of the intellectual property we'll put it that way because it's not always the creator they remove things from availability. And you just Yeah, de- or they all digitally alter it so that you
2: can't have the original experience. George Lucas, thank you, George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: exactly,
0: and and it's the fans who have, who save the 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 creation. Yeah, there's the there's well, the Star
1: Wars recreation. Yeah, uh, the de- group. the
0: the
2: de-specialized version right. uh, that fans have created of the originals. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, we're
0: kind of getting off, but like the Phantom Edit, which is a uh, a re-editing of the prequels in order to. Uh, to, to take out and to, and to make it a better story basically yeah. uh, and things like that. Uh, so, you know, ho- hopefully we'll, there's more new old doctor who to come for those of us who are, or especially for those who are new to doctor who relatively speaking.
1: Um, uh,
0: and, and of course and, we
1: have, we have lots of episodes still to talk about. So
0: yes, this is, we'll be talking about uh, who uh, without having to talk about the same episode again for many, many, many episodes to come. So <clears throat> I guess that's it from us. Um, uh, you know, what did you think of the second doctor story, the Patrick Troughton story, the power of the Daleks? Um, let us know by visiting sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Leave us some feedback or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We, we've been getting some good feedback from folks um, and we'd love to get it. And we'd love to share it uh, on a future episode. You can find links to all our personal social media and websites on our show notes on sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing The Tenth Doctor, the David Tennant story, Tooth and Claw. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. My pleasure, Dom. And Father Cory thank you as well. Always a pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening, and remember, with twice as much power, the Daleks are twice as useful... When will I see you again? Ah, soon, I expect. Or later. One of those.